We're going to talk about restructuring to win. Restructuring to win. Not many people, if any, want to lose in life. Would I get an agreement on that? I think all of us would rather win than lose. All right. So if you had 2019 to live over again, how many of you do something different? And you know why? Because we make mistakes, because we often fail. Sometimes you give life your best shot, you still come up short. Sometimes you study real hard for a test and you fail. Yeah. Sometimes you work really hard at your job, you get laid off. Sometimes you work on your marriage and it goes nowhere. The truth is you and I are going to fail several times in life. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. So as we begin, actually we're a month into it now, 2020, let's talk about restructuring to win or God's way to get a fresh start. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19 says, don't remember the former things. Don't consider the things of old. I don't want to hear about your last marriage. I don't want to hear about a friendship that blew up or a partnership. He says, get by this thing. Don't consider that. Behold, I want to do a new thing. Now it will bring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. So forget about what's happened in the past. God says, don't even think about it. You can't change it. You can't make it go away. It's water under the bridge. So God is far more interested in your future than he is your past. Some of you believe God is fixed on your past, but you're totally wrong. God is always interested in our future. God says to look at the new thing he's about to do in your life. Forget what's behind. Some people can't do it. They just drag that baggage like you see people at the airport dragging 400 bags to get on your flight. Let it go. Let it go. So how do we restructure to win? I want to give you a little formula, simple, with the word start, S-T-A-R-T. And I want to use each letter as an acronym. Remember this and be reminded, regardless of what kind of failure you had this past year, financial, relational, career, marriage, moral, S, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. You got to stop making excuses for your mistakes and your failures. Stop blaming other people. Stop rationalizing. Stop seeing yourself as the victim of circumstances. You get narcissistic. There are people that I've had to confront, and they'll give you a page this long instead of saying, I'm sorry, I'm out of order, I was wrong. Oh, no, they can never admit they're wrong. See? Listen, it is a fact that other people can hurt you. They can harm you. They can scare you. No doubt about that. But nobody can ruin your life except you. Nobody can ruin your life unless you give them permission. All of us have had a bad deal in the past. In some way, most got by it, learned from it, moved on. Some of you are still stuck. See? So you have a choice how to respond to hurts. And the starting point is accepting responsibility for your part in the problem. I can't fix Cindy's part of a problem. <laughs> I can only fix mine. So what's your part of the pie? I don't care if it's 25% or 80%, you fix your part. You have some responsibility. Proverbs 28, verse 13, he who covers his sins, not going to prosper. 
Whoever confesses them and forsakes them shall have mercy. How many of you in favor of mercy? Yeah, I, I guarantee you I am. Can you see that's the starting point? Admit your mistakes. Get a fresh start. Take responsibility for your part in a failure. That's pretty hard for some people because we live in a culture and society that passes the buck, whether religiously or maritally or politically. Put the blame on anybody else, on something else except yourself. We blame the environment, we blame our parents, our teachers, the economy, the person we're in relationship with, the government. We even blame El Nino. It's always somebody else's fault. We've got no-fault divorce, no-fault accident insurance. How many of you know it's somebody's fault? But we can't be helped if we don't take personal responsibility. You can't get out of an addiction if you can't admit you've got a problem. And nobody wants to admit they have a problem. Everybody knows you've got a problem, but you, you won't admit it. God can't help you until you admit you need it, see? And there's three common causes for failure. Number one, we don't plan ahead. We don't think. We make decisions, and we never bother to look at the consequences of those choices. You can make any choice you want, but you don't get to determine the consequences. Proverbs 27, 12, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simpleton passes on and is punished. That's saying there's a wise person who understands consequences of his decisions. So he'll make wiser choices. Those who don't get punished, suffer setback or failure. Now, was it raining when Noah started building the ark? Heck no. But he had to trust God and have faith in God. It's going to happen. But he also had to plan ahead. The flooding rain didn't come for 120 years, but that's how long it took to build the ark. Jesus talked often about the importance of planning. He told the story of a man who goes out to build a tower, but he can't finish it. He didn't have enough money to finish it. Why? He didn't plan. He also tells the story of a king who went out to battle and lost because he didn't count his soldiers. He didn't plan ahead. And it's old, but it's still true. If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Secondly, we don't listen to others. Proverbs 15, verse 22, without counsel, plans go astray, but in the multitude of counselors, they get established. Your biggest expense is paying attention to the wrong people. That's it. That'll cost you dearly. Why don't we listen to godly advice from others? Because we think we don't need it, and it's called pride. By the way, ego stands for edging God out ego. And when you think you know more than God and you push him out, then you're on an ego trip that's going to lead you to a dead-end destruction. Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And by the way, strife and contention cometh only by pride. He didn't say sometimes, only. And so what do you see? That has no place in a church your view, religiously, politically, in, in any area, should never be one to cause strife and contention. God says that comes by pride. So get, God says God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. That's where promotion comes from. I don't want God resisting me. I'd rather get hit by a linebacker today in the Super Bowl than have God have to resist me. An arrogant attitude will lead you ultimately to a fall. When I think I know it all myself, I'm not teachable, I'm not correctable, I'm setting myself up for ultimate failure. 
So listen to godly counsel. Sometimes it'll be your spouse. (laughs) My wife sounds an awful lot like God sometimes, yeah. And of course, listen to God's Word. Would you change your mind if clear Scripture said you're wrong? Now, George Arugio over here is a brilliant uh, apologist and teaches a class. You saw it up there. I love to laugh when he tells me how he will have lawyers and CEOs and executives come to his study, and many of them come maybe from a Catholic background or no religious background, and it is amazing the, the harshness of their opinion when clear Scripture assassinates it. Will you change your mind if Scripture says you're wrong? I'm not talking about maybe fuzzy, clear, clear Scripture. It's amazing to me how we'll hold on tenaciously to a lie and let the truth be our enemy. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth will make you free. But first, it sure does make you miserable. It does. Do you think if Jesus was on earth physically today, he would offend anybody? Do you think he would offend people in churches? Do you think he would offend political parties of both sides? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So don't disciple yourself after a political party or even a religious group. You know, you've got a Bible. You've got a responsibility to read it and know what's there. Now, if it's not clear, then you rule by your conscience. But if it's clear, it's undebatable. You just obey or you rebel. Proverbs 24, 6, and the multitude of counsel, there's safety. Get a good lot of advice. If we're going to do something out of my gifting and calling, I'm going to make calls. If it's real estate, I'm going to call some people in here who have proven expertise in that. If it's about engineering, Russell Yeager serves this church and pays the bill for some of the cost for our planning for our land down here. I'm going to get buy-in. Randy Ross, CPA, I'm I'm not going to make that choice by myself. I'm going to get some good advice. Then I'm responsible to make the call. But why wouldn't you want some advice? I'll tell you why some people don't want it, because they know they're wrong and they don't want to hear it. He who isolates himself seeks his own way and rages against all wisdom and wise instruction. The guy that gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. (laughs) That's the problem with pride. We fail to plan. We fail to listen to godly advice or wisdom. And third, we give up too soon. Proverbs 24.10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is pretty small. See, failure is the path of least resistance. Often during trying times, we stop trying. We give up. But if at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. You're normal. Very few people make it on the first try. It's always too soon to quit. By the way, I'm a better grandfather than I was a father. You know why? I think I know why. You can correct me. I think it's because I now know what wasn't really important when I was young. I, 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 raising children. I, I didn't know, and you learn by doing. But then as a grandparent with kids' kids, you realize what counts, what doesn't count, and you're just a lot better. That's my take on it anyway. You'll get my book on raising children out in the lobby. I don't, I don't have one. <clears throat> Listen to some world-class failures. He lost two-thirds of the battles he fought in the American Revolution, but he won the war. George Washington. 
Another guy graduated 42nd out of a class of 43, went on to conquer Europe, Napoleon. We all know the story of Abraham Lincoln. He lost every election he got into, but he went on to be president. Thomas Edison failed hundreds of times trying to find a filament for the light bulb, but thank God he did. In 21 years, Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs, but he struck out 1,330 times. And by the way, Hank Aaron, just almost identical, just a little bit more. Amazing. He struck out nearly twice as often as he hit a home run. And Babe Ruth said this, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing. R.P. Macy failed seven times as an entrepreneur. Then he started Macy's department store. And you've been there. Yeah. It's always too soon to quit. The Bible says we need to stop making excuses, admit when it's our fault, get on with life. People good at making excuses are seldom good at making anything else. Stop making excuses. Second letter, T, take stock. Take stock. Take stock of your life. Evaluate your experiences. Look at what's left after a failure. What is God still doing in your life? What are my options? What are my talents? What are my assets? What are my connections? Regardless of what's happened in 2019, you still have something called experience. See, God wants to use those experiences to shape you. Don't waste them. Learn from them. I've had some, I've had in all my years of life, I've had a few experiences I don't want to repeat. Oh, obviously, I'm speaking to people ready to enter heaven, glowing in the dark. Yeah. I learned from them and got smarter. There are four major kinds of experiences in everybody's life. First, God uses personal experiences, the family you grew up in, the culture you were raised in, the people you relate to. And by the way, let me stop and say this. I can't fix somebody in a weekend service or in one Bible study class who's come up in a culture and they've been brainwashed right or left. I can't get that out of them in that quick of a time. It's not going to happen. It's going to take time for God's Word to wash and transform. It's going to take time. I grew up in the deep south, racist south, before uh, integration and before civil rights. Can you imagine what I grew up in school hearing and seeing and listening to? That, that goes into all of us, good or bad. And it takes time as I became a Christian to wash a lot of that junk out of my mind and heart and get a new heart and a new attitude towards people. That's why I love people, all kind of people, even bad people. It takes Jesus to do that. I was never, I was never the soft, lovey, lovey, everybody person. That was the, that's not the Al-Qaeda group that raised me. You know that. God uses vocational, educational experiences. Some people know more than other people. Well, to you then, you should extend more grace. To whom much is given, much is required. If I know more than you, I ought to extend to you a little more grace. That's, these are like, duh, facts to people in life. Don't you dare get involved in any strife argument. You could have an honest and godly uh, discussion, but if it becomes strife and accusation and somebody calls you a demon or something like that because you don't agree with them, you shut that thing down. Block it, whatever. And no leader in this church should have any kind of a mouth that condemns you in any way. 
All of us are sinners. All of us have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. All of us have a past, and we wouldn't want to put anybody else's up there either. We have people in here in all kinds of moral situations, living together, uh, shacking up on the weekend. We've got adulterers. We got, I'm not going to ask you to stand. we got people <laughs> of the same sex living together. So who do I throw out first? That makes me so mad. No, no. That makes me so mad. I need transformation. So if I don't throw everybody out, then I'm endorsing you. Pitiful, pitiful, ignorant logic. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Get on with your life, lady, and stop this adultery. He didn't condone it, but he wasn't condemning. And you'll never change anybody condemning somebody. Never, never. All right? God can fix them. You can't fix them. Girls, you can't fix your husband. God can fix him. And God can fix all of us. God uses spiritual experiences to shape you. Coming to church, going on a mission trip, reading your Bible. God uses painful experiences to shape you. Galatians 3 verse 4, have you experienced so much in vain? Is it, is it really? Was it in vain? Or did you learn from it? I hope all your experiences weren't wasted. I hope you're smarter now than you were when it did happen. I can't believe the number of people that keep picking a losing boyfriend. I cannot imagine how you keep picking a loser over and over and over. Whether you shack up, whether you live with them, when do you say, maybe my motive of candidating a boyfriend for a future husband is screwed up. Maybe I need a new lens to approach it. I told you this is dad talking today, okay? I'm not mad at anybody, but I sometimes want to say, where is your brain? So as you, take talk, as you take stock of your life, ask three questions. What have I learned? There are people 40, 50, 60 years old in here. They haven't had that many years experience. They've had the same experience, 40 years, 60 years. They haven't learned a darn thing. Still making the same mistakes over and over. Listen, when you screw up, admit it and don't get an encore. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, don't do an encore. What are my assets? What have I got going for me? My health, my friends, my freedom, my church family, my connect group. Third, who can help me? When you're restructuring for a fresh start, you need other people, an accountability partner, a support group, Bible study group. All Satan has to do with some of you is isolate you from the herd. Gotcha. Gotcha. I talk to people all the time. Well, I hadn't been here in six months. And I'm going to say, Why? You know, God's still here. What, what does he say? Well, we got road construction. Well, I come every week. We got road construction. I'm just as mad as you are. I'm just, in fact, maybe worse. Maybe worse. But the Bible says, seek the first the kingdom of God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down that road if I have to walk or get a four-wheeler. I'm coming. I'm coming. It's temporary. If you don't do anything right just because it's inconvenient, you won't do much. You sure won't stay married, that's for sure, if it's not convenient. Did my wife say amen on that? I'm not sure. <laughs> when you're restructuring for a new beginning, realize some of my experiences are lies to me. Not everything you've heard, seen, or experienced is always true. It's true. When you were young, somebody told you you were dumb. 
that you're never going to amount to anything. You'll never have anything. You'll never be anything. And you're still operating on those statements years later, even though they weren't true then and they're not true now. But you're still acting like it is. You're still living your life based on faulty information. Challenge what you believe by God's Word. Uh, That'll upset you occasionally, but it'll set you free. See? What does God say about me? And with virtual reality today, I can make you see all kinds of things that are not real. How many of you ever saw the movie Forrest Gump? Yeah, majority, okay. Do you really believe he shook hands with Kennedy or taught Elvis how to dance or played ping pong with the Chinese? None of that was true. That was computer generated. Magazine pictures of celebrities are computer generated. They're altered. They aren't that cute. They aren't that thin. Their bus size is not that great. False fabrication. That's why you shouldn't build your life totally on experiences but on God's Word. God says, if you'll build on my word, do what I say, you're still going to have storms, but you won't fall. When the storms come, you'll still be standing. So I want a storm-proof life. I'm going to have storms. That's inevitable. But I'm going to build on a rock, and I'm not going to wash away. And then A, S-T-A, A is for act in faith. Launch into the new year. The Bible says the key to changing anything is faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. Matthew 9, verse 29. That means we tend to get out of life what we expect. According to your faith, be it unto you. Really? So what are you expecting this year? Well, Rick, I think it's just going to be another rough, tough year. Depressing and unfruitful. Well, sweetheart, guess what your year is going to be? A total waste of time probably nothing going to change in your life, and nothing will change. See, we usually get out of life what we expect. The person who says, I can, and the person who says, I can't, they're both right. So start to expect more out of yourself, more out of life, more out of God. That's the principle of faith. In order for you to start acting in faith means you have to stop having a pity party, sucking your thumb, feeling sorry for yourself. Everybody in here could be down about something. Everybody in here has had a bad occasion in your past, either because of you or someone else. And life is unfair. Life is unfair, Rick. Well, duh. What a wake-up call for you. Of course it is. Who said it wasn't? God didn't say it wasn't. The more time you spend regretting the past year, the less of 2020 you're going to have to waste away because you're just spending all your time mulling over what you can't change. So whatever you focus on, you tend to reproduce in your life. So learn to refocus. Learn from your failure. Never call it failure. Call it an education. That taught me that doesn't work. I'm going to do something else. If you've been married a long time, you learn what won't work. And it wasn't failure. If you learn from it, it makes you a better person. Does God want you to wallow in your past? Absolutely not. No. I want you to act in faith. Proverbs 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Have you made any plans for this new year? When are you going to get around to it? You're either going to go into this brand new year by design or by default. And here's what the majority of people will do in here, in any, any group, anywhere, not just here, anywhere. Well, I just hope things are better. 
Hope it's a better year. Hope the kids change. Hope my spouse changes. Well, you can sit there and hope all you want. Ain't nothing going to change. See? If that's called default. You've got to take some action. There are some things you have to do. You can live by design. I'm going to do a new series on that after we get through all of our friends being here and all, and talk about how to live by design, not by default, how to redesign your life. You redesign a kitchen, redesign a bathroom. They redesign airplanes. They redesign cars. They redesign microwaves. Some of you need a redesign. What you got is shorting out and it's not working. So what, what happens when you give a procrastinator a good idea? Nothing. God says we should make plans counting on Him to guide us. Setting a goal is a faith activity, and you probably won't reach all of them, but your life will still grow in the right direction. Only 59% of Americans ever write down a goal because they fear failure. But fear of failing is a lot worse than actually failing. Life with no goals is like running up and down the football field and not scoring, like the Cowboys. Hey, I'm a Cowboy fan, but I ain't stupid. They can't win. We got a new coach. Let's hope they restructure so we can win. You know, how long does it take to wake up and say you're doing the same dumb plays, everybody knows what you're going to do, and it's not working? And you got the best talent pool in the NFL. <coughs> and I don't want any emails from ESPN or the N- NFL. Faith is doing the thing you fear the most. And none of the things people fear most <coughs> is what people think. <coughs> Let me tell you what people think about you. They don't. They're worried about their own problems. And the sooner you can realize nobody cares, and I don't mean that roughly, it's just a fact of life. You've lived your whole life worried about what other people think, and then you find out they didn't think anything about me. (laughs) What does God think about me? That's about the only thing that really matters. Worrying about what others think is a trap. Proverbs 29, 25. Hang on, I'll go a little bit faster. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. You know, 27 years ago, I felt a strong urge to leave Savannah, Georgia, come to San Antonio, and start this church. I was working, flying airplanes, setting up conferences for James Robinson. I was leaving a good guaranteed salary, a good ministry. I was taking the biggest risk of my life with my family. And many people said to me it was a bad move. In fact, every time I've made a major move, there were people who said it was dangerous. Duh. Faith is dangerous. If you want to get out of your comfort zone in the ordinary and barely enough, you're going to have to do occasionally something not foolish but dangerous. That's called faith. If I had to listen to those people, I'd still be living a very small life right now and miss the best part of my life, which is right here at Summit. I would have missed it. Missed it. R in start. Refocus. I need to restructure the way I think. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything's screwing you up. Every bad thinking you do coming right out of your heart. And you need a new heart. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. As a man thinks, so is he. The way you think determines the way you feel, the way you decide to act. If you're acting in a discouraged way, you're thinking discouragement. If you're acting fearfully and worried, you're thinking fearfully and worried. 
What memories are you still rehearsing from this past year? The Bible says, let those things go. Start thinking biblically the way God wants us to think. We've got to restructure our thoughts. The key to victory is not resisting bad memories. It's replacing them. When you keep saying, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to think about it, what are you doing? I'm thinking about it. So stop focusing on what you don't want and start focusing on what you do want. So how do we reproduce and refocus our thoughts? By God's Word, which is truth. Psalms 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or takes seat with the company of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in that word day and night. The word blessed means happy, approved of God. And when you meditate on God's word, it helps you change your thoughts and helps you renew your mind and helps you refocus. So what does it mean to meditate? It's not mystical. It's not scary. It means to focus, to concentrate, to think about something over and over in your mind. God even told Joshua to do it. Let this word be in your mouth meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that I've told you. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. And you do it all the time when you worry. When you take a fear or a negative feeling and think it over and over and over and over in your mind, we call it worrying. But when you take a verse of Scripture from God's Word and think it over and over and over again, it's meditating. So as you begin to fill your mind with God's Word, it changes your mind, changes your thoughts. You stop seeing yourself like others see you, but as God sees you, and a change and transformation suddenly begins. If I get a bad diagnosis for one of my children or a health scare or something like that, I could say, well, the doctor said it's, it's stage three. Well, the doctor says it's a very difficult cancer to treat or it's uh, whatever. I don't know. And that's all you talk about. You'll get on the phone. You've done talked about it all day. First thing I would do is go to Scripture. Lord, thank you that on the cross, Isaiah 53 says, you bore my sickness, my diseases, my pain, my transgression. You redeemed me from the curse that the blessings of Abraham may come upon me. You sent your word to heal me, to deliver me from all my... And the more I feel to worry, the more I'm going to quote Scripture out loud against it until my full expectation is I'm going to get through this thing. I'm going to get well. Now, one caution for some people in here. I am not an extremist. People will die. But let's die on time, not prematurely, not unnecessarily. I believe I can live the fullness of days God has allotted in His book, but I believe the enemy can steal if I'm ignorant and don't know I have authority to resist him. And I'm not letting him take me out prematurely. That's all I'm saying. But to say that I believe God heals, of course He does. But some people die. I don't know God's will for that person. But as long as I'm in the will of God and die on time, whether I'm 32 or 102, I don't care. I got that all taken care of anyway. Are you afraid of dying? Heck no. I'm afraid of, afraid of coming short of what God put me here to do. That's the only one. I don't want to meet the coach, the Savior. And say, uh, what happened to you, Ricky G? I had big plans for you. Yes, Lord, but I live in Texas. We have road construction. My wife doesn't understand me. You know, 
I hear it all. God, I just want to take people sometime out in the backyard and say, you know what you need? You just need a good southern whooping. That's what you need. <laughs> Let my grandmama take that big belt and whoop you real good. Change your, anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? A good old whipping? Yeah, not abuse, just a good old whipping. And regardless of the failures you've had this past year, there's hope in Jesus. It's never too late to start over. You're still breathing. Remember the story of Jonah? God told him, go this way. He went the other way. So God says, okay, Jack, I'm going to give you a free Mediterranean cruise <laughs> in the fish hotel. And when that was over, in Jonah 3, verse 1, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'm glad for that verse. We serve a God of second chances, third chances, and fourth chances. He is a God of grace and mercy. His mercy endures forever. He says, come to me with your brokenness, your failure, your shame, your guilt. I'll give you a fresh start, a new beginning. And the last letter is T. I want to say for time out because we're overtime. It's for trust. Trust God to help you succeed. Don't depend on yourself. You don't get a new beginning by trying harder only, but by trusting. Zechariah 4, verse 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The secret of says is not by trying harder, but by trusting God more. You get a fresh start by trusting him, trusting his word. God specializes in new beginnings. Jesus has the power to help you and me get a fresh start this year. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anybody's in Christ, you're a new creation. Never been anything like you. The old is gone. The new is here. Jesus has the power to do that for everyone in this room or watching online. It's called being born again. It doesn't mean reincarnation. It means a chance to start over. God doesn't want you to turn over a new leaf. God wants to give you a new life. A guy once says, when I look at my life, Rick, it just adds up to a big minus. How does God turn a minus into a plus or a negative into a positive? By making a cross and giving his only son. Jesus was hung up on the cross to die for all of our hangups. He was crucified so you and I don't have to crucify ourselves over our failures. That's called grace. Now, you may be thinking, but I've wasted so many years. Joel 2 verse 25 says, I will restore the years the locust has eaten. When God restores, He brings back greater quantity, quality, or kind. Now, if I'm in my 70s and I've wasted my whole life, how does God restore? He doesn't give me 70 more years. He just gives me the rest of my years at a higher quality than I lost. If you, if you had a Timex stolen, He restores, might get a Rolex. If you had a Kia, you might get a, a Bentley. But whatever's taken away has to be brought back in greater quality or kind, or quantity. You don't get back what you lost. You get back more than you lost. So stop crucifying yourself for all your past failures. Stop making excuses. Take stock of all your experiences that are true. Act in faith. Refocus your thoughts and trust God. Then for this new year, you can say with confidence, I will make a fresh start. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.